0: Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The word of the Lord. Good morning, church. It's a privilege to be sharing with you this morning. Um, and I just want to say it's been a, a real blessing for me these past few weeks. I've been on staff here for about three weeks now, and I just want to say that you guys have a, such an amazing team uh, working here during the week. Um, I've been amazed to to sit in staff meetings and to, to visit with them, get to know them more, and I've been incredibly encouraged in that. And I want to affirm to each of you that, that you have a staff who are constantly asking this question of, of Jesus, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to go about our ministry here at TCC? And, um, and even our topic this morning, this idea of walking with Jesus, has kind of flown out of these conversations of well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And we sit in our staff meetings and we, we pray. And we, we want ears to hear what Jesus is saying to us. And, and that's my prayer for us this morning, that we would have ears to hear what Jesus is saying to us. So, so let's pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to speak. Father God, we praise you and thank you, Lord, for just the work that you've done in our lives in the past, God. What, the way that you've brought us here this morning. God, we thank you that we can celebrate this morning with a the family. They dedicate their children to you, Lord. We thank you that we can come together and sing. Lord, and we thank you that we can come together and, and sit under your word. And Lord, it's my prayer that the words that I speak, Lord, we, we pray that they would be your words. So God, we ask that your spirit would come and, and speak to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: So not only has it been a blessing
0: to be on this team, it's also been a blessing for me to be back in Edmonton. I grew up in Edmonton, but my wife and I have been away for about uh, eight or nine years. And it's been neat for us. Is that my mic? the wind of the spirit. (laughs) Clip it in. We get there? All right. Yeah, it's been a blessing for us to be back in the city. But what's been interesting for me is um, I haven't spent basically any of my adult life in Edmonton. And so as I'm driving around Edmonton, I'm finding myself sometimes getting lost. I find myself sometimes taking the scenic routes Um, and the other thing I'm finding in Edmonton is that there's just a ton of construction. So even if I knew the way to go, um, I'll get to a certain place and I'll realize that the way that I was going to go isn't the way that I am able to go and so I end up getting detoured and I end up getting turned around and I start wondering to myself what is the best way to get to where I'm going. And I start contemplating if I should have just taken the bus. Um, But it's interesting with the detours, because as soon as you see a detour sign, you start breaking down the numbers in your head. You start wondering, what is the fastest way for me to get from where I am to where I need to be? And just the other week, I I took a different turn, and I ended up behind a city bus on a one-lane road. And I sat there (laughs) as we lurked bus stop to bus stop all the way downtown. And it was just frustrating. And I'm grateful that I have Google Maps being back in Edmonton. Um, But what's even better than Google Maps is having the company of a friend who knows the way. The company of someone who is familiar even with the construction in Edmonton, who's able to say, oh, don't take this road, there's going to be delays, go the other way. And when you're able to sit with a friend who knows the way, there's a certain breath you could just release, go, ah, he knows the way. He's going to get us to where we need to be. He's going to get us there in time. So this morning, I want to talk about us pursuing the company of a friend, pursuing the company of a very specific friend. You know, life in so many ways is like a journey. It comes with many challenges. It comes with road closures. Sometimes we're moving along in life and we hit a pothole and we end up um, needing to get repaired. (laughs) We, we, sometimes we're traveling through unfamiliar neighborhoods. We're passing things that we don't recognize. Maybe as drivers going through this journey of life, we can be filled with fear. So it's a journey. It's easy to feel lost. It's easy for us to want to forge our own way, to find our own direction, to be sitting in one spot and seeing where you need to be across a field and thinking, man, if I could just drive through that field, <laughs> I'd get to exactly where I need to go. But there is one who knows the way. Jesus. Jesus knows the way. But what does it mean for us to walk with Jesus? And this is a question that Norb and I have been discussing. Um, it's next week he'll be kind of following up with this, with this idea of what does it mean for us as a community to walk with Jesus. And as I settle into this role and I, I think about um, being in a pastoral position, that this is a big question for me right now. Lord, what does it mean for me to walk with you in this pastoral position at TCC? And this isn't a new question for me. I remember when I was framing houses in Calgary, I would ask that question. Lord, what does it mean for me to build a house while I'm walking with you? What does it mean for me to go to work and walk with you? What does it mean for me to lead my family and walk with you? And I've often longed to stand at the shores of Galilee in the first century and to have seen Jesus. You know, maybe I'm there fishing with Peter and this man Jesus who me and Peter have heard about shows up and, and you could see him in the flesh. I could have shook his hand and said, Hi Jesus, my name is Adam. And we could have walked along the shores of Galilee, shoulder and shoulder, and, and discussed life and discussed God. And I often longed that Jesus would show up in the morning at my house and and pick me up to drive me to work, to sit with me in my office, to help me do the dishes at home, or to sit with my family at dinner and lead the family discussion. But apart from my imagination, this may not be my experienced reality. But if a tangible physical presence isn't right there in front of us, how is it that we are to walk with Jesus? And although we desire a physical, although the desired physical presence may not be there, I really do believe that Jesus is there. I really believe that Jesus is constantly available to us, that He's ready to listen to us. And not only that, but that He's desiring to lead us. And if these things are true which I think we believe that they are, we, we, we talk this way all the time with one another, that, that God is with you. Just, you know, we, we seek His presence. We believe that He's there. And if we believe that He's there, then I, I really believe that, that walking with Jesus is something that we choose to engage in. That walking with Jesus is something we choose to engage in. So this morning I want to talk about three choices involved in walking with Jesus. And that's, to walk with Jesus, we must choose to acknowledge His way, we must choose to respond to His invitation, and we have to choose to remain in Him. To walk with Jesus, we must choose to acknowledge His way, choose to respond to His invitation, and choose to remain in Him. And as I touch on each one of these choices, I really want to encourage us that this is a journey. You know, just as Ken was saying that um, a young baby does not yet know how to walk, and there's crawling, and there's sitting up, and there's all these things. I read a quote once by Eugene Peterson. He said that in the company of Jesus, we're all beginners. There are no experts in the company of Jesus. We're all beginners, and we're necessarily followers. And that this journey with Jesus, is, it's relational. It's specific for each one of us. There's intricacies involved. This isn't a ten steps to a successful walk with Jesus. This isn't a formula in which we engage in. But it's, it's a relationship. It's something we walk in. So I'm really looking at these three choices. First one I want to talk about is as I walk with Jesus, I need to choose to acknowledge his way. As I walk with Jesus, I have to choose to acknowledge his way. And Psalm 1 that we have had read to us this morning, it's my primary text this morning. Um, maybe it's a familiar psalm to some of you, but it's a psalm about ways. It's a psalm about different ways. And it's, it, maybe it's strange to consider an Old Testament text in the conversation of walking with Jesus, but it's interesting when we talk about this whole concept of way or the path or the journey that we're taking, um, because this theme is developed throughout Scripture, It's it's not something that just shows up when Jesus walks onto the scene. And in the Old Testament, when we're reading in Psalm 1, it, it becomes very clear to us that there are multiple ways in which we can walk with God. And in John 14, Jesus makes this statement again, I think that's very familiar to us, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as I consider what way I need to navigate through traffic or which way I need to navigate through life, part of the question that I ask is, how am I to navigate through this in the way that God designed me to, in a way that I'm in relationship with God? And if Jesus said that I am the way and that no one comes to the Father except through me, it becomes very clear that the way that I need to walk is is Christ. I need to walk with Him. So that I can walk in the purpose and the design that God has intended for me. And what we learn in this psalm, I think primarily the first thing that jumps out of us, is that to walk with Jesus, to walk the way of Jesus, is to not walk in the way of the wicked. Which is maybe an obvious statement. And the first thing we get in this psalm is a contrast of ways. And we live in a society where there are many ways in which we walk. And we see three attributes of the wicked person or the person who's walking not in the way of God. I'm just going to touch down on each of those. So we read, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So The first characteristic we see of the wicked person or a person who's not walking in the ways of the Lord is that he's, is, is, he is walking in his own counsel. They seek their own counsel apart from God. You know, it's interesting as we, we journey through life, we're full of questions. We're always looking for certain answers. And the person who can only walks by their own counsel is someone that's chosen to reject the counsel of God. When they're faced with questions and challenges in life, they do not seek help from God. Instead, they do what feels right to them, even if it's contradictory to what God has said in His Word. They ignore the counsel of the Scriptures. The second characteristic we see of the wicked person is that they choose to walk in their own way. And this is a person who only wants to live by their own direction. It's the person who's created their own map. You know, as if to to look up something on Google Maps and you download the direction you need to go. But then you say, yeah, I'm going to go my own way. When we're walking in the way of Jesus, we we can trust and believe that God has given us the direction in his word. So to reject God's word is to choose our own way, to go our own way. The third attribute we see here of the wicked person is that they live by their own authority. That's what we read, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And to sit in the seat of scoffers, this word scoffers, it's someone who talks big. Someone who likes to boast. Someone who likes to say, I did it my way. And there's a lot of pride around that. There's a lot of happiness in the fact that they've done something in their own way. And that is the seat of the scoffer. That they've lived by their own authority. And they've done it in such a way as to reject the authority or the rule of God. You know, I think to sum up this wicked person, you know, it makes me think... um, it's like the person who's thrown out the Ikea instructions. Um, this past week I was at my brother's house and we were getting ready to, uh, we're, he's putting in a new kitchen in the basement, so we were building some Ikea cabinets. I don't know if you've built some Ikea cabinets before, um, but this is what the instructions in the box look like. Uh, and if you're, if you're someone who wants clear instruction, the Ikea instructions are very frustrating for you. Um, You pull all these pieces out of the box, and you've probably, for one cabinet, you've brought home four or five different boxes, and you open one of the boxes, and here's your instructions, and I love on the bottom right hand, you have the picture of this man who looks very confused, and they say, if you're confused, just call Ikea, and I don't think that'd be overly helpful, but you could, Um, but imagine opening up that box and finding these instructions and just throwing them away, and saying, no, I, I got this. I can build this, you know, and even for myself, I'm a journeyman carpenter, so I open up an Ikea box with a lot of confidence, I'm going to put this cabinet together, but I have to tell you, the times that I've done that, I've always built the cabinet wrong, (laughs) because building something from Ikea, you're not using your hammer and your impact drill and your screws, they have their own pieces, they have their own bolts, there's 18 different types of screw for this one cabinet, and it, it matters which screw goes where. So the instructions to the Ikea cabinet are incredibly important. And when we're walking the Jesus way, it's important for us to look to the instructions that He's given us and to walk by them. To not walk by the Jesus way is to throw out the instructions and say, I got this. I got this. I can do it my way. But the end product is perhaps unstable. Maybe you have pieces left over. Maybe you've had to go to your garage and get supplies and you've added your own pieces uh, to the cabinet to make it work. But the end result is not what the manufacturer had designed. You've rejected the way that you were supposed to go. And when we look in Psalm 1, we see that the result of living in this way is that this person does not experience the blessing of the Lord. In verse 4, we get this sharp contrast between the blessed person and the wicked person, the person who's chosen to walk in the ways of God and the person who has not. And we read that the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind has driven away. Their way, the way that they've chosen to go, Wanting to walk in such a way apart from God is forgotten in light of eternity. The person who's chosen not to seek God, their way is not familiar to God. And this is contrasted again to the blessed person. We read in verse 6 that the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. And again, the psalm ends, but the way of the wicked will perish. And there is this other way highlighted in the Psalms. The way of the one who seeks God. Instead of choosing your own way, instead of throwing out the instructions, it's a person who's decided to look to God's word for instruction and say, Lord, I want to live the way that you have desired desired me to live. And the primary attitude of this person who's chosen the way of Jesus is, is reflected to us in verse 2 where it reads but the delight but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates both day and night but his delight is on the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates both day and night this is a person who is determined to walk in the way that Jesus has designed them to walk this is a person that recognizes that there's multiple ways in which they can go. But their heart, their desire, is to walk the way that Jesus has called them to walk. And what is the result of this? This person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. So the first choice we're faced with in walking with Jesus is, is the choice that we need to acknowledge His way. To walk with Jesus, we must examine our ways. We must seek to walk in His ways. This is having a heart that says, Jesus, I want to walk in your ways. I think throughout this psalm, there's an invitation that keeps popping out at me. You know, none of us want to be the wicked person described in this psalm. None of us want our ways to perish in light of eternity. And as we read this psalm, there's this invitation. There's something that's calling to us saying, I want to be that blessed person. I want to be a person like a tree. I want to be planted by streams of water. I want to yield fruit in season. I want to prosper in all that I do. Can you not relate to that? And so the psalm invites us to respond and to choose God's ways. Which leads us to the second choice we need to make in walking with Jesus. I walk with Jesus as I choose to respond to the invitation of Jesus. I walk with Jesus as I choose to respond to the invitation of Jesus. Now if you've read the Gospels, very early on in the Gospels, you've probably been hit with this, um, these stories of, of Jesus walking past or up to an individual and saying, Follow me. And immediately after he says this, this person gets up and they follow him. We read about this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, While Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, we read after... This, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Matthew rose and he followed him. And we get in John chapter 1. We read about this as well in verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. In each of these situations, Jesus is giving an invitation. And if you're like me reading the Gospels, you read this, you're like, oh my goodness. Like They just left everything and followed Jesus? You know, in this invitation for a lot of us, uh, we can think back to that point in time of our salvation where we first experienced God's grace. And we heard an invitation in that time to surrender our lives to Him. And we said, yes, Lord. And there's a moment of repentance and seeking the forgiveness of God and choosing to enter into relationship. Now that is an example of us responding to the invitation of Jesus like the disciples did. Choosing to respond. But I really believe that this invitation from Jesus is continual. Because the way of Jesus is always going to be contrasted to other ways. And as we go about our lives we're constantly being invited by Jesus. He's constantly inviting us. Every time we're faced with these multiple ways, He's inviting us to come and walk in His ways. This invitation is continual as Jesus is inviting us to participate in the things that He's doing in our homes. This invitation is continual as Jesus is inviting us to participate in the things that He's doing in our workplaces. And this invitation keeps going out. And in John chapter 1, a bit earlier than the passage I already read, but in, in John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, we read this interesting encounter. And it, it goes like this. The next day, again, John was standing with his, two, with his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say, say this, and, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned to them, Turned to the two disciples, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. And I was reading this passage um, last week in my devotions, and I, I couldn't help but really get wrapped up in this phrase, Come and you will see. Come and see. And I wonder how much when I'm praying and, and seeking the Lord, and I'm bringing him a concern or I'm praying about the, the forest fires in B.C., or I'm praying about um, missions work across the world, or, or whatever it is, I wonder how often Jesus' response to us is, come and see. Come and see. You know, it's easy in our prayer lives to, to give something to the Lord and then just go about our day. It's like, Lord, I pray that you will lead my coworker to God, and I, I trust him to you, and they really need you right now in their lives, Lord. Amen. And we can walk away from that. But what if when we pray that, Jesus is saying, come and see. Come and participate with me in what I'm about to do in this person's life. Come with me and and share the message of the kingdom with this person. Come with me as, as I do a work in this person's life. It's an invitation to walk with him. To exercise our faith and to experience new things. You know, I think back to being an apprentice framing houses and I'd go to my employer and I'd, I'd say to him, hey, I need, I need help doing this particular task or how do I do this particular task? And never once would my employer explain to me in plain words how to do that task. He would always respond, well, I'll come, come and I'll show you. Come and see. And there's this recognition that I'm going to learn a lot more by participating in, in doing this thing rather than just trying to figure it out on my own. I think that's part of the reality of our relationship with Jesus, that there's a sense of come and see, that he's inviting us to come and and work with him. You know, I've always hated cold water. It's always been something that just, I freeze up when it comes to jumping into a lake. And I remember growing up and we would go with some friends to a cabin uh, in northern Alberta um, and they had one of those docks just floating out in the middle of the lake and so we'd take a boat out there and I would sit on the dock and I wouldn't want to jump in the water. Um, but I'd see my friends and they're, you know, they're in the water. They're having fun swimming around and enjoying the refreshment of the, the cold water and the heat of the day. You know, and it's, it's like I'm sitting there and it, it's, I don't know what that feels like. I know what the heat of the sun feels like. Um, but there's this fear that I have. I don't want to jump in the water. The water is cold. But I remember those times when I would just jump in and feel the refreshment of the water against my skin. You know, and and that decision for me as a kid was a difficult one. I was terrified, but I would choose to get in the water. You know, where are we hearing Jesus' invitation today to follow Him? Where are we hearing Jesus calling us to jump off the dock into the water and follow him? You know, in John's gospel, these disciples to whom Jesus said, Come and see, come and see where I'm staying. These disciples go on to witness water turned to wine, sick people healed, and hear daily the message of the kingdom of God. When Peter left his nets to follow Jesus, did he ever imagine that he would be following Jesus out onto the water? I doubt it. So as we respond continually to Jesus' invitation and follow Him, we will find ourselves walking with Him. So the first choice is to choose to acknowledge His way. The second choice is to choose to respond to His invitation, like the disciples did, and follow Him. And the third choice is choosing to remain with Him. Remain with Him. You know, it's so easy in life, uh, if you've ever been on a hike with friends, again, I remember growing up, we'd go on hikes in the mountains, and I would love to run ahead. I'd love to almost separate from my family and go explore and, and, you know, go different places and come back and go different places and come back. Um, But it's interesting, when we, we talk about walking with Jesus, it's so important for us to learn to remain with Him, to walk alongside of Him in our lives. And John 15 is such a familiar passage when it comes to this topic. Um, where, Jesus, where Jesus says, it's so clear in verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit, neither can you unless you abide in me. And it's amazing here, because in, in John 15 we're getting an echo back to Psalm 1, aren't we? That the tree in Psalm 1 And the disciples of Jesus neither can bear fruit apart from the constant connection to the source of life, the streams of water, the vine that is Jesus. And these verses capture what it is to walk in the company of Jesus. It's an abided life, a life lived in Christ. And when we remain in Jesus, it leads to fruitfulness in our lives. And I, and I love this when we read in Psalm chapter 1 this picture of a tree that yields fruit in season, that prospers in all that it does. You know, have you ever witnessed a tree trying really hard to produce fruit? You know, have you ever seen a tree that's grunting and groaning, trying to make its branches grow? It's like, no, that's ridiculous. I've never seen a tree do that. You know, like the, the tree that's described to us in Psalm 1 it's not laboring. It's not breaking its back trying to prosper in all that it does. But rather, it's just remaining at the life source that is the water. And here in John 15, Jesus is telling us that walking in the company with Him, having ministry that is fruitful, walking in the design and purpose that God has created us for isn't about grunting and groaning and straining. But rather, it's just walking in the company of Jesus. Abiding with Him. Choosing to walk alongside Him. Remaining in Jesus leads to fruitfulness in our lives. And choosing to abide is not easy. You know, as we've already said, there's many, many ways. There's many choices. We're constantly faced with the opportunity to go a different way. We're constantly faced with the opportunity to to choose not to walk with Jesus. To choose not to abide in Him. And what I love about Psalm 1, too, um, when we get to the point where it's talking about the tree, it says that it's like a tree that's been planted by streams of water. It's a transplanted tree. It's a tree that's been picked up from one place and put in another. And I think of how often in my day-to-day life I need Jesus to pick me up and transplant me back next to Him. How many times I go off in another way but in God's grace, His mercy, He picks me up and He plants me back next to Him. So the big question I think that maybe many of you are thinking or a question I've grappled with over the years is, is how do I do this? How do I walk with Jesus? It's like I understand that I need to choose, that there's, there's I need to acknowledge that there's many ways I know that I, I need to respond to Christ's invitation. And I've, I've heard so many sermons about abiding in Jesus. But how does this play out? You know, when I think of the series that we were in uh, only a month ago, this, this idea of, of prayer and learning more about prayer, I think that that is where it starts. Walking with Jesus starts by talking to Jesus. Walking with Jesus begins with talking to Jesus. Um, and I think it's amazing when we consider the Psalms because um, Psalm chapter 1 and 2 are actually the introduction to the book of Psalms as a whole. And if you look in your Bible, maybe at the top of Psalm 1 it says book 1, but if you wanted to do a little edit, you could take book 1 and move it to the top of uh, Psalm 3 where it would be more appropriately placed because Psalm 1 and 2 are meant to be introductions. And when we read this line in Psalm 1 that he, that, that he delights and meditates on the law of the Lord day and night... Man, I read that and I'm like, meditate day and night? Or when we read a verse like we need to pray continually, it's like, pray continually, like day and night, like all of the time I'm supposed to pray, and it's kind of like, how am I supposed to do that? But it's interesting how the Psalms start off with this instruction, that we're to meditate upon God's law day and night. And then we go on to read the Psalms, and we read this amazing interaction between God and man. We think of King David who who would come to God in honest prayer just constantly. He wasn't afraid to bring, bring God his frustrations. He wasn't afraid to bring God his anger. He wasn't afraid to come before God and just say, this is what I'm dealing with today. And I'm frustrated. And I'm hurting. And I'm broken. But David recognized that keeping company with God was involving God in every part of his lives. And we have the Psalms as a, a prayer book, a song book, that, that gives us instruction of how to pray, how to interact with God. So we talk to Jesus. And I think that takes many forms. Worship is another element of talking to Jesus. Having that music playing in the background at work, or um, driving in your cars and having worship music on. You know, Pastor Ken this week, uh, in, the, in his update he sent out a quote from Eugene Peterson, and I just want to read it for us again this morning, So I think it's very encouraging when we consider having a prayer life. But Peterson says, "...prayer in our secular society is often associated with what people of spiritual interests pursue or with formal acts conducted by professional leaders. It is necessary from time to time to call attention to the fact that prayer is the street language that we use with Jesus." who walks the streets with us. We can't put off prayer until we get good at it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know how to pray. And I love this quote because it just invites us to recognize that it's not about knowing how to pray. If we believe that Jesus is walking with us in our day-to-day context, He's there. He's speaking to us and we can just talk back to Him. The second thing, not only do we need to talk to Jesus, but we also need to listen to Jesus. And listening to Jesus, I really believe, comes as we we read His Word and we trust that He's speaking to us. So as we sit down and and open the Scriptures and read it, we're listening. Lord, what are you saying to me? We're reading attentively. Another thing we can do in in listening to Jesus, if we want to follow Jesus, it's important for us to know how would Jesus lead (laughs) What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say in any particular situation? Maybe learning to walk with Jesus for you begins with just reading through the Gospels. And maybe that's something you can do this summer is just, you know, maybe start in Matthew and just read Matthew or read John. Read through the Gospels. Get familiar with this person, Jesus, with the things that he said and the things that he did. And observe him in that way. And lastly, I think we practice faith. We practice faith. And we do that by when we hear God give us an instruction or we sense that God is leading in a direction, we follow Him in that direction. And sometimes that's scary, like jumping into cold water or driving in your car and taking a, an unknown turn, going somewhere you haven't gone before. But there's such an incredible blessing in practicing our faith and following Christ. So again, I don't feel like walking with Jesus is supposed to be some systematic thing that we can just apply three steps to our lives. Rather, I think it's something we do in relationship. And I think for a lot of us it begins as we we start making the right choices. Where we choose to acknowledge God's ways, which is acknowledging our ways and recognizing where those maybe don't line up. It's choosing to respond to His invitation which requires listening and patience. It's also choosing to remain with Him. No matter what throw, what life throws at us, it's choosing to remain in Him. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, I know that I am so far from being an expert in walking with You. But Lord, I thank You that As we walk with you, Lord, it's done in the context of relationship. Lord, that you aren't looking for experts. You're looking for people who are just willing to follow. You're looking for people like the disciples who are willing to put down their nets and follow you. And Lord, I confess to you how often I choose to walk in my own way and to forge my own path. Lord, and almost to abandon you and leave you at the trailhead. But God, I pray for each of us, even this week, this afternoon as we we go about our day, Lord, that you would help us to be mindful of you. God, that we would look for you in in places and in ways that we haven't before. Lord, and that you'd help us to see you. Lord, and that you would help us to, to choose to take your company and to walk with you in our lives. So Lord, I just pray that uh, we would meet with you this week in a fresh way, Lord, that we'd meet with you today and help us, God, to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.